Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with lead student minister, Wes Raspberry. I want to start this morning by asking you how your summer has been. Maybe it's been the best summer of your life, and if so, fantastic. So happy for you. Maybe it's been a boring summer. Maybe you have been stuck at home um, for a variety of reasons, COVID or whatever else. Maybe your summer has been marked by crisis in some way, and it hasn't been a fun summer because of that. Maybe you've just been hiding out in your house to avoid the 100-degree weather that we've been having. If you're not familiar with me or my role here, I'm the student minister here. Uh, And so that means that summer is my busy time. Summer is my busiest time. In the 10 weeks that we have of summer, with the students being off school, we try to cram as much as we can into that short amount of time. And so this summer already, we have gone to Six Flags. We have had a lock-in, which goes against everything that I believe. In fact, we had a church-wide Nerf war in that lock-in time. And if you find any of those bullets around your feet, we're still missing some. In a couple weekends, we'll have our biggest retreat of the whole year. We have slotted a, a ranger game later on right before school starts back. And what I'm going to talk about today, we went to uh, our, our high school and middle school camps. When, when Wade asked me to preach this morning and kind of gave me free reign on the topic, um, I, I you know, kind of wrestled with a couple of different ideas, a couple of different things. What do I preach on? But the Spirit kept leading me back to what I will share here in a bit. You see, we go uh, in June, we go each year. Our high school goes to uh, Abilene Christian University's leadership camps called Kadish. That's for high school students. And then um, just this last week, we got back Friday afternoon. Our middle schoolers were at Abilene Christian's Impulse Camp. And sometimes these weeks, they're not the same theme, but sometimes their themes just line up. Again, I think it's the work of God, the work of the Spirit. And again, the Spirit kept urging me to talk about these things today. One other note before I jump into the message, before we pause for a prayer first. One of the reasons that I like ACU camps, one of the reasons that I keep going and that I keep bringing students there is because as a volunteer, as somebody who goes, I get to be in the groups with students. I get to be a leader. I don't just drop off the students and then leave. I sit with students at tables. I sit in circles with students and dig into life with them. We talk about the struggles that we have. We talk about how the verses that we're reading and the focus, the theme of the week affects us, how we're wrestling through that. And as a leader, I get to do the same exact thing. 
And sometimes I get to lead out with vulnerability. But before I get too far ahead of myself, let's pause and pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a time to come together this morning to worship you, hopefully to experience you and maybe learn something more about you. God, I pray right now that you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ might be formed in our hearts. Thank you, God, for all that you do in our lives, for who you are and who you promise to be in the future. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. So we'll start with Kadesh. Again, Kadesh is our high school camp back in June. And the theme for Kadesh this year was grace. And it started off pretty easy. The first couple of days were about how we need to receive God's grace. And it's a pretty common message. We, we hear that often, right? God's grace is for us. We need to receive God's grace. We aren't too far gone or too messed up, or we haven't sinned too bad to be able to receive the grace of God. He, in fact, he pours it out on us. He lavishes it on us. We spent some time in Ephesians. And so if you'll flip over with me, share a verse that we read. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Again, a fairly common message. We need to receive God's grace. God's grace is there for us, and it's abundant and given freely. But then about day three, it started to shift a little bit. Because the focus turned from us and how we are not too far gone. We're not, un, not too far undeserving of God's grace. It shifted from us to how we need to give grace to others. That God's grace is for everyone. God's grace is for even those who hurt us or those we don't like. I'll come to, back to that in a minute. Let's fast forward to Impulse. This past week, Impulse's theme this year was ambassadors, how we're supposed to be ambassadors and reflections of God here on earth. And again, started out super easy. Yes, we're supposed to be reflections of Jesus. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We hear this message over and over again. And so the first couple days were easy. But then it shifted. Day four, Thursday, we talk about how as ambassadors of God, we're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. We read this verse in 2 Corinthians. 
2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, started off a little easier, then got a little bit harder. How are we being ministers of reconciliation in our own lives? And you might be sitting there thinking, well, grace and reconciliation, that's, that's not a hard concept, Wes. Yes, we're supposed to have grace for all people. We're supposed to be um, reconciliation ministers uh, to everyone. But it's been especially hard for me this year, going into this summer. And in fact, when I saw these themes, I rolled my eyes a little bit because it was in a, in a sense, it was like God was making me, forcing me to deal with some stuff in my life that I didn't want to deal with. See, over the past season, the past um, amount of time, the past year, Kylie and I have gone through a, a sort of breakup with some really close friends. There was a moment, a blip on the screen, a moment in time, a choice that was made that really started a rift between us and them. And these are friends that we've had so close for almost a decade. And here we are in the summer talking about grace and being a minister of reconciliation. And it hasn't been that we haven't tried, but it's seemed like those tries, those attempts have fallen on deaf ears. So that hurts a little bit more. And so how do we have grace with those who hurt us? How do we have grace with those who wound us? How do we be a minister of reconciliation with those that we don't want to? Walking through this idea has really challenged me. Like I said, I have had to deal with that same, same stuff as the students have had to walk through over those weeks as well. The idea of grace is a tough one. How do we give grace to those who we may not want to? My go-to example is Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, if you're not familiar, was responsible for the murder of 17 men and boys in the late 70s and 80s. And just after his confession to all of them in 1991, he asked for a Bible. And over the next couple of years, he began to study this Bible, and apparently he came to know Jesus. And just before his death, 
he asked the man he was studying with, who happened to be a minister, a pastor, and who happened to be a minister from a church of Christ. He asked him to baptize him. And so Jeffrey Dahmer came to know the Lord through those years. But if I'm honest, I don't want to give Jeffrey Dahmer grace. I don't want to share heaven with a guy like that. You see, he wasn't just a murderer, but he was also a sex offender and a cannibal. I don't want to share heaven with a guy like that. Or, for another example, think what you want about Kanye West. He has a soft spot in my heart. He released a Christian rap album a couple of years ago, and he got a lot of flack for that. In fact, he had a song on his album called Hands On, where he talks about this very thing and the responses that he got from people. He said, nothing worse than a, than a hypocrite. Change, he ain't really different. He ain't even trying to get permission. Asked for advice and they dissed him. Said, I'm finna do a gospel album. What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me. Make him feel like nobody loved me. They'll be the first one to judge me, feeling like nobody loved me. And yet, we have grace for some people, right? Some people who, who are messed up. Some people who are bad. <laughs> we have grace for them. I think about Paul. Paul even himself talks about how messed up he was and yet, he's a great hero of our faith and of our scriptures. Read with me in 1 Timothy 1, 12-17. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointed me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners— Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus has an example of this in one of his parables. And in fact, I don't remember really, really ever hearing about this parable until maybe the last couple of years. I don't remember any sermons on it or any lessons on it when I was in youth group. We didn't have it as our focus text for a retreat that I went on. I think it's because it's a hard parable. Flip over with me to Matthew 20, the parable of the vineyard workers. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them out into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon. 
and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they said. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and then go on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each one received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Then you would agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you being envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. I remember, like I said, I, I hadn't really heard this or really, I guess, focused on it maybe until the last couple years. But I remember my initial response when I heard this message. It was, wait a minute, that's not fair. People work different amount of hours. How do they deserve the same amount of pay? That's exactly the point that Jesus is making here, right? It's not about fairness. It's not about that. Grace isn't about that. But so often we, we relegate it to that. We relegate it to fairness and earning and deserving. Sometimes we, we might think, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. At least it's not, I'm not as bad as Dahmer, right? I like the quote from James Bryan Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, talking about this very idea. He says, I think I know why the narrative of the punishing, blessing God is so prevalent and popular. We like control. This narrative allows us to live in the illusion that we control our world, which is very appealing in our chaotic existence. This, though, is a form of superstition. Don't walk under a ladder, break a mirror, let a black cat cross your path. We know deep down that superstitions are silly, but that doesn't prevent us from believing in them. We like control. And in fact, the world that we live in and so often encounter is based on things that we have control over. Working hard in school means that you can pass your classes and pass to the next grade. Working hard in your activity or your sport means you might get a scholarship, which means you might more easily afford college. Working hard on your ACT or SAT means you might be able to get into college. Working hard in college means you might be able to get a job. Working hard in your job means you might get that promotion or that pay raise. We like control. In fact, this is what we see in the old sacrificial system of the Old Testament. If you've offended God, just go and give him a burnt offering. Bring a couple calves and a dove or two. We had control over that then. 
But then Jesus comes on the scene and he changes the rules of the game. It's not about the sacrifice that we can control anymore, but about the sacrifice that he gave, that God gave. Spirituality, Christianity, faith, and especially grace don't work in the same way. We cannot earn God's grace. We cannot deserve God's grace. We do not deserve God's grace. It's unmerited favor that's lavished upon us abundantly, excessively, and it's for all. And as much as I sometimes want to make it about myself and and, and me, how I think that I deserve it, maybe more than that other person, Jesus reminds us in the story of the vineyard workers that you get the same amount whether you worked an hour or a full day. In the same way, God's grace is for you and for me and for even those that I don't want to give the grace to, even those that have hurt me, even the Dahmers, even the Kanyes, even this couple. At Kadesh, one of the things that we kind of ended the week talking about was this idea that if we don't extend God's grace to others, we in some ways block or blind or hinder ourselves from fully receiving the grace of God for ourselves. If we make it about how we're better than them or whatever about that, we don't get to receive the full grace of God. And the impulse, we talked about how being an ambassador, how part of that is being a minister of reconciliation. And so I share all this today as an update of sorts to give you a little brief insight as to what our students have been walking through over the past couple months. To share a little bit about what our students do over the summer. To confess how hard it's been for me to walk through these past couple months, especially with these focuses and these themes, but also hopefully to challenge each of us. How are we receiving God's grace? Is there anything in the way that's blinding us or blocking us from fully receiving the grace of God? Are we making it about who deserves it or who doesn't? Are we saying all deserve the grace of God? And if not, what work do we need to do in our own lives? Please be standing now as I close by reading the last two verses of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, power and authority before all ages, now and forevermore. Go in peace today. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.